brought to you by the students of Mary Persons High School in conjunction with MPTV. This is Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. I'm your host, Carrie Buckendale. In this week's episode, meet the new Monroe County Schools Fine Arts Coordinator and learn how our performing arts program will benefit from her musical background. Also, hear from the school nutrition's director on her passion for food and the important lessons she learned about one of our students' favorite meals. Performer, reporter, businesswoman, just a few of the many traits Samantha Stevens brings to her new role as fine arts coordinator. Mary Persons Jr. Maddie Franklin spent some time with Ms. Stevens to learn more about her background and why she traded in the bright lights of Nashville for this new position. Hey, I'm Maddie Franklin and today I'm here with Ms. Stevens who is the new director at the Fine Arts Center and we're going to ask her a couple questions. Hi Maddie. Hey. <laughs> what brought you from Nashville to Forsyth? Well, fun fact, I'm actually from the central Georgia area. I grew up in Eastman, Georgia, which is Dodge County. It's probably about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half south of where we are here in Forsyth. Um, I had some really, really great years and so many great experiences that I really didn't know uh, would ever happen to me in my time and my career in Nashville. But uh, I was ready to come off the road. I toured um, with a, Chris, a Grammy-winning Christian contemporary artist for seven years, and I worked in entertainment journalism for uh, CMT. And I, you know, still made records and performed and got to do a lot of incredible things. But it was time for me to come back home. I started feeling that pull of wanting to be close to my family and this incredible opportunity uh, fell in my lap and, and presented itself and I just I couldn't say no it, mm-hmm. it was it was meant to be I like to think <laughs> <laughs> um how will your background as a performer benefit our fine arts well I think anytime you uh have an opportunity to work in the performing arts on uh, a business or an administrative side, having a background as a performer is super helpful because you're able to look at your job from a complete 360 perspective. Not only um, am I able to work in the office and work on contracts and writers and for chorus and one act play, working on the logistics of putting those shows together, but I also can anticipate the needs of the performers because (laughs) I was in their shoes at one point. So I think it really helps you um, see both sides uh, of the spectrum. And that sort of enables you to anticipate the needs of, okay, what is Mr. Hernandez going to need? What's Ms. Spires going to need? You know, what's Ms. Trevitt going to need? Um, I remember doing this. And let's not forget that we need to put, you know, a hairdryer in the dressing room because mm-hmm. after the show, there's this and that. And also, let me go check on the contracts and make sure all the emails mm-hmm. went through. It really is a unique field to be in because there are so many things that you have to consider to put a show on successfully. And I've been fortunate enough to uh, have spent my professional career working on both the professional performing side and the professional business side. So I think that's going to be a plus. 
That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, been, <laughs> it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. What do you do as your as the director? Like, what's your job as a director? As a coordinator of fine arts, a manager of fine arts events. So, uh, I'll walk you through a typical day. Now, I know you all know Mr. Smith, Mr. Jacob Smith, who is my partner in crime uh, at the Fine Arts Center. So, we typically start our day with a fresh pot of coffee. <laughs> we come in very early in the morning. Um, we sit down and we map out what our day is going to be like. Typically, we look at our calendar. And we wanna make sure that all of our upcoming events, which vary right now from, we have one act play rehearsals uh, in the theater during their fourth block. We're gonna have some choral concerts coming up from middle school and high school. We're also gonna have some band programs. So typically what we do is we make sure that we, as a theater, are set up to host those events so that they run as smoothly as possible. And that's everything from cleaning the theater, cleaning the bathrooms, mopping, vacuuming, to sitting up in the sound booth with our lighting console and double checking our sound consoles, making sure that everything's working. In fact, we have one out for repair right now because we need to get it back in time to make sure that we have successful events that are coming up on the calendar. So a typical day for me kind of starts with making a checklist. I will reach out to booking agents and management companies and contacts that I have in Nashville and start thinking ahead for who we'd like to host as a tour when we do those opportunities throughout the year. And um, that's uh, always really fun and interesting because I have Mm -hmm. a wish list of artists that I'd love to bring in for the community to enjoy. And then it's been the afternoons right now um, hosting one act rehearsals, which is a thrill for me. Uh, because I was in one act and it brings back a lot of fond memories and so the day usually varies but Mr. Smith and I sit down and we make a plan and then we stick to it at the end of the day we have our final meeting what did we get done today what are our immediate needs for tomorrow and then it starts all over again that's a lot. It is. <laughs> you want to come help us clean the venue? Yeah. <laughs> we might need to work on that. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. No, thank you. Okay. Thanks, but no thanks, Miss yeah. Stevens. Um, what are the specific community shows and how do people purchase tickets? Yes. So anything that we produce as a show at Monroe County Fine Arts Center is open to the public. At some point throughout the year, we will have private rentals, but if it's one-act play, if it's a choral program, if it's band, if it's visual arts, if it's the Forsythia Blues Festival, if it's like our next upcoming concert series is Tony Orlando, everything we do is open uh, to the public. And my goal, which is based on the incredible work that Mr. Daniel and our our assistant superintendent at the board office has done, and also Mr. Hamilton, who was in this role before me, they have really put in so much work to make this venue a destination for the community to come, no matter what programs we're offering, um, to experience the fine arts and to continue growing that in the uh, Monroe County community and beyond in Central Georgia. And that's what my focus is and my priority is. It's to let people know, hey, we've got 
X, Y, and Z, these events going on. Even if you don't have kids that are participating, it's going to be a wonderful show. We want you to come. Um, You can always ask about tickets through our website, monroefinearts.org. We also have them available for purchase at the board office, and anyone can contact me at the Fine Arts Center, and I'm happy to help them too. Okay, what are some of your ideas for community outreach? Oh, (laughs) so many. (laughs) I would love to continue bringing in in artists, guest artists, Mm -hmm. and shows that really have an educational component. Um, I would. I have a pipe dream of bringing in a songwriter's round. When I was in Nashville, my favorite shows to attend were shows where it wasn't necessarily the famous artists that you hear on the radio uh, singing the songs, but the writers who wrote it. Um, there's something very unique and special and um, magical about that, and I've always loved those shows feel like a masterclass to me um, for people who have interest in creative writing or maybe want to write their own songs just as a, you know, for joy or for passion. I, um, I want to bring those types of productions in because they're conversational mm-hmm. and they teach us something about music or about ourselves or our lives. And I also would love to, uh, start more of a, a Q&A with a lot of the artists we bring in so that that's available for the public as well. Um, and I also would love to do an apprenticeship program with the students in the school system. There are opportunities to work professionally in the touring world, in the design world, in production, or in the business side of music. And I have been very privileged and fortunate to have experience in most all of those arenas. I think one of the most important things we can do as a school system with this beautiful venue and the resources we have is to get students in to shadow and to help and assist with a lot that goes into managing and putting on a show um, so that they can get a taste of what that's like in case they might want to be a tour manager one day. They may want to work for a booking agent and book tours. All of those things are possible. It's just using our resources in a way that makes our students and people in the community realize that it's, it's a possibility. Anything is possible. Okay, but that's all the questions we came up with. Do you have anything else you want to talk about or share? I absolutely encourage everyone to look at our calendar. And if you have any questions about the events that we're bringing into the community, please reach out. Our one-act play is shaping up to be absolutely fantastic. The chorus is sounding incredible already, and we're just into school. Like I said, these are not just events that we're putting on in the Fine Arts Center for the students and for the families of the students. It's for everyone. Um, There's so much to do in downtown Forsyth. I absolutely love the town square. I'm falling in love with all the restaurants. I encourage people to make a night out of it. Go out and get something really good to eat and uh, then come in and see one of our productions, whether it's supporting our one act play or like the turnout for Sandy Patty was incredible. And then Tony Orlando coming up. So please keep up with us and don't hesitate to reach out and come enjoy the show. Mary Persons High School has a 92% graduation rate. But what does it take to earn that diploma? 
Gracie Mabry sat down with MP graduation coach Ray McClune to find out. Your title is graduation coach. What does that really mean? Uh, graduation coach. The position was created years ago by the Department of Education to hopefully increase graduation rates in Georgia high schools. Monroe County is one of the few counties that have actually continued to, con to keep um, the position. Uh, one of my biggest focuses is um, making sure that all students in the high school are staying on track for graduation, meaning they're earning their credits. Um, I do all of our credit recovery, our summer school, um, that's a big piece of my job working through theirs. I do transcript reviews um, for all seniors, just making sure we haven't missed anything, that there's no courses um, that are still outstanding. I work a lot with the Achievement Center um, and their credit recovery program and just trying to make sure that students um, are getting what they need in terms of graduation and their credits. Now I also do a lot of behind the scenes work with data. I pull um, lots and lots of data, whether it be where kids are in their credits through Infinite Campus, uh, what are grades, I do a lot of tracking with grades, um, passing rates, failure rates, and all that kind of good stuff. And then uh, with the addition of our online students, that's another big part of my job right now as I kind of oversee um, all of our full-time online Edgenuity students. Okay, so what made you want to work in Monroe County? I'm actually a graduate of Mary Persons. Um, I left, went off to college, saw the world, lived in a couple of really cool places, and when it came time to just settle down, starting families, and kind of getting back, um, I wanted to be home. Um, I consider Monroe County um, home, and I love being here at Mary Persons. I love Forsyth, um, and so when I moved back, and I, the school system treated me well when I was in high school. I loved my high school experience. Um, I was already working in school systems elsewhere and was very fortunate when a position opened here at Mary Persons. And I, I really cannot say enough about the administrators here. Um, I love working at Mary Persons. I think it's a great place to be. I think we provide a lot um, for our students. And so it, this is just, like I said, it's home. So every year the graduation rate is released to the public and Monroe County has had some of the great ones in the past few years. Can you explain a little how the rate is calculated? The way that high school works is not just credits earned, but it's also um, every student when they enter ninth grade is given what's called a ninth grade entry date. And then from that, that year, they are given four years to graduate. And so we have to not only count those kids in our numbers, and that's the whole formula, it's how many students could, could have graduated, and then taking out and considering those students that would be considered a dropout. And dropout would be a GED, um, a student who maybe they just stopped coming and that we would have removed them due to lack of attendance. Um, sometimes it's kind of even an unknown. They said they were moving to Arkansas, but we never got a records request, so we never knew where they ended up. But that graduation rate basically is every single student who's ever stepped foot at Mary Persons for that particular cohort, and then there's a formula behind the scenes that how many graduated, and then, like I said, those dropouts that kind of go against you, and that's where that rate kind of comes in.
But one thing I can say, uh, moving to block schedule has really helped our graduation rate. A lot of that is because if a student, let's say they fail an academic course needed, we have the room to put them back in that class, maybe the next semester or even the following school year in hopes that they'll be able to make up those credits and stay on track because they have eight options every single year. Um, this current cohort's got 32 options, um, but they only need 24 to graduate. So we have that wiggle room. And then programs like Edgenuity that allow credit recovery that um, whether we do an after school or a summer school, just really staying on top of students in order to try to get them to graduate. And then the Achievement Center is a huge part of that when there are students that just kind of get so far behind for whatever reason, but they really want to graduate and that's their goal. They're able to go over there and work at a slightly different pace because of ingenuity and then allowing them um, to work at a little bit faster rate um, so we've got different options for those kind of kids um, if, the, if their goal really is I want to get back on track and I want to graduate. So that's, that's been a huge plus for our graduation rate. What is one thing you'd love for parents and guardians to know about how their students can succeed throughout their high school careers? Oh, just one thing? Um, there's probably a, one of the biggest things is um, and part of it is the world of technology. We have Infinite Campus. Parents ha can do um, their own account and have access, and of course the students do. And within Infinite Campus, students and parents can see their transcripts. We do release a lot of information like their grades. Parents can check those things as frequently as they want to. Um, and so that's part of it is just encouraging parents to stay on top of their kids, to kind of know what's going on through those kind of means. And part of it is also recognizing not all kids are college bound. We offer a lot of different programs at Mary Persons. Um, we have some fantastic AP teachers, honors teachers, um, but I know that not everybody's is headed to that four-year college, but if you get involved with other programs like JROTC or Mr. Herm's construction class, automotive with Mr. Evans, um, even within our athletics. I mean, it's kind of, I encourage every parent and student, find your niche, find something you enjoy. Is it band? Is it the healthcare class? Um, and kind of get involved because a lot of times, I think students who feel like there's a reason to go to school, something that they enjoy about it, um, and just trying to help students see that they can succeed in the world. It doesn't have to be college. It can be going straight into the, the military. It might be straight into the workforce or four-year colleges. Um, so really, I think one of the biggest things that kids really need to do is, is find something that, that makes, makes them happy, what interests them within the high school setting. And for parents, staying involved, staying on top of um, what's happening in their high schooler's life, those are some of my biggest things. Thank you for this interview. You're welcome. It takes hard work, a lot of energy, and a passion for food to run one professional kitchen. Now imagine what it would be like to tackle six, like school nutrition director Lisa Budd does every day. MP senior Gwyneth Cabe spoke with Ms. Budd about everything that goes into providing breakfast and lunch for our students. How do you choose the menus and are, there different, are they different for each school? 
You know, choosing memory uh, menus is one of my favorite responsibilities. Uh, the process begins with first understanding the USDA guidelines and the Code of Federal Regs, which is about over 1,500 pages long. So, you know, once you have a handle on, on, on what's required, then I can get creative. I constantly follow food trends. Uh, and I also consider what has been popular over the years and, and maintain those. Uh, additionally, I consult with a network of food brokers that kind of specialize in what we do. Uh, and they represent major brands. And I just, you know, from them, I discover new food items. And if I really am interested and think the students might be as well, I'll schedule a time and have them come bring in those food samples and we'll do a taste test. So that's kind of how it starts. Okay, cool. What guidelines do you typically follow? Well, the USDA guidelines, do you know how it drives you crazy when, I, when we always say you gotta take a fruit or a vegetable mm -hmm. for, on your tray every day? Okay, that's one of the, the main uh, food guidelines from the USDA. But when you talk about the vegetables, yes, we actually have to meet particular vegetable categories within a week. So you try to match up what are the kids' favorites that actually kind of complement the main entree. So that's one of the guidelines that really we struggle with because, you know, not everybody here is going to love, you know, different, I mean, not everybody loves cabbage. So you want to put that on a particular day, but, you know, we try to just really focus on the ones that we know most likely you'll eat. Okay. I didn't know that actually. Yes, it, it is. It's very, I could get more into it, but it, it does get like a massive chess match. So <laughs> it okay. is a little complicated. <laughs> nice. Do you have plans to expand the menu at any, at any point? Well, well, let me go back because you had uh, asked the question about the menus over uh, do they change over grade levels? And they, uh, I did want to talk about that real quickly. The menus are different from elementary, middle and high school because as each student progresses through, you want to offer more variety and more choices. So it's special with each level that they, that they go up to. So I do try to do that. So I did want to touch on that more. Um, and with regards to uh, your next question, um, due to such severe staffing issues, I'm unable to expand the menu. I mean, I'd love to, but when your staff is forever shrinking, adding anything else to their, no pun intended, plate right now would, uh, would, would really be a very stressful thing to try to do. Um, but I will be changing entrees uh, through the season. We do try to try to bring things on, you know, during the fall, winter, and spring months that kind of apply to to that time of year. So that is always on the, on the docket. Okay. Congratulations on scoring 100 on all the health on all the health inspections again this year. What is all involved in this, and how do our cafeteria managers keep this a priority? Well, I would love to say, oh, it's so easy, but keeping a 100, a perfect score is actually an incredible accomplishment because you can get counted off if, say, the paper towels ran out, you could lose a point. So to achieve an absolute perfect score is, is quite difficult. So I'm very, very proud and thank you for focusing on that. So they, they made a tremendous achievement. Um, health inspections are always top priority because the inspection covers all aspects of what we do. So when the health inspector comes in, it's not just, oh, everybody's got hair net and gloves. 
It's actually what we do on a daily basis. Uh, we dedicate ourselves to working in a clean and safe environment and prepare food according to our HACCP plan or food safety plan. HACCP stands for Hazardous Analysis Critical Control Point. And what a HACCP plan is, you identify those areas where a foodborne illness has a potential. So that means no cross-contamination like, you know, cutting raw chicken and then, oh, let's go make salad with that same knife. No, we do not do that. So we have specific, uh, we have the specific food safety plan that we follow. It's just like our food preparation model. Um, because ideally the main thing we want to do is prevent any foodborne illnesses. Um, and so that's critical. So that makes the um, health inspection concentration on that an absolute top priority on a daily basis for our managers. We aim for perfection and uh, there's no question. I mean, it's all about food safety. And that's the first thing my managers do when they walk in is make sure everything that we need, sanitizer is, is where it needs to be. And if there's new folks that come in because we do get subs on occasion, well, those subs need to be trained immediately on the food safety processes. So it's always, always, always in the forefront of their mind and the number one priority when they walk in the door. And what's your favorite item on these menus? Okay, you know, that's a really, really tough question, <laughs> but I do have my list. Um, who can resist Chicken Tender Tuesday? I mean, that's got to be one of my... <laughs> Yes, I 100% agree with you on that. That Well, and let me tell you, it's, it's a funny story when you talk about chicken tenders at the high school. Uh, when I first started here, current chicken tender is, is by Tyson, and it's a tender fritter, as you know. Well, that's been in place for over a dozen years. And, uh, you know, we run into this all the time, whether it's COVID or not, we'll have supply chain issues. And I remember when I first started years ago, we uh, got shorted. So we didn't have enough to provide y'all uh, the Tyson tender. So I accepted a substitution. Well, I learned from that day, there is no substitution <laughs> because I have never seen so many upset students. I had to go down the line and apologize to every student that I will never, it was my fault, I'll never do it again. So it's a very, very, very popular tender and I happen to enjoy it. And I I try to do different things, have it with mashed potatoes or make a, you know, salad with it. And uh, so that's one of my favorites, the barbecue with the cheesy scalloped potatoes. See, now, right those up. are good. I tried those last week and I really enjoyed those potatoes, actually. Aren't they wonderful? I mean, I'll put, you know, the green beans in the cheese sauce as well. I mean, I just, it, it just gets better. And, and I'm really, really excited about the new items that I put on the menu, like uh, in the middle and elementary, and hopefully will be coming your way at the high school, are the egg rolls with, um, they complement the sweet and sour chicken. Ooh. And so we kind of try to do an Asian day and incorporate lots of flavor. And the egg rolls, I mean, really surprised me how well-received and delicious they are. I mean, and my staff, I got to give them kudos. They bake those to perfection. And then the sweet and sour chicken tastes just like you heard at a, a, a Chinese restaurant. I mean, absolutely that flavor, that sweet, it's got the peppers. So that's one of uh, two of my new favorites. And then I'm always you know, someone who loves a home-cooked meal and the chicken uh, bake with the cheese and rice and broccoli, that's new at the middle and the elementary schools. And I'm telling you, it is just like home. It's delicious. So those are kind of some of my starters in my top 10. That sounds great. You're making me really hungry right now. <laughs> well, good. 
and I didn't even talk about breakfast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, so lots of favorites, lots of favorites. Yeah, you know, I didn't even like going back to the chicken tenders. I really didn't even know. I saw the sign there that it was like, you can't do extra chicken tenders now because of shortages. And I was like, wait, hold on, we could do that. I know, I know. And it's so hard, you know, and I'll tell you this, this might be um, something of interest to you and our and our folks out there. But when we fry French fries in the high school, you notice you cannot buy extras on French fries. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's two reasons for that. Number one, that's all we'd be doing all day is, is frying French fries. But the other thing is, and it goes back to uh, one of the regulations we have to follow regarding smart snacks. So anything that we sell extra, tea, lemonade, um, any kind of sides like that, but have to meet the smart snack guidelines of the USDA. And guess what? Fried French fries do not need smart snacks. <laughs> and, uh, and then the chicken tenders, again, because it's such a popular day, that's all my staff will be doing. So we do have to limit uh, the second entrees at times because of, of you know, the ability to produce what we need. But we try to offer a lot of different things that, I mean, I haven't seen anybody kind of deter from the chicken tenders and try something else, but we do usually have pizza and that's always fun, you know, trying to find a really interesting, good pizza. Uh, I think we've got one. And then I introduced the cheese bites to the high school uh, to dip with the marinara sauce. And that's something new and different and, uh, and I think well-received from what I'm hearing. And uh, so we do try to have, you know, lots of varieties for the high school. Thank you for tuning in to Monroe County Schools Radio exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Have a great week. Remember to be a champ. And as always, go dogs. The thoughts expressed in this segment represent Monroe County Schools.